Hey guys, Jason here. So in addition to our normal content spoilers, like we're going to be talking about new comics and spoiling the heck out of them, um, also an additional spoiler about language. So normally, I don't worry too much about that. I do try to keep the podcast kind of PG-13. And that's not because I condemn language or that I never use language. It's just much like the X-Men. I want my podcast to be as inclusive as possible, and so I try not to put any barriers between me and any listeners at all. Um, you know that I can help, right? I'm not. I'm not going to be false to who I am or to who my guests are, but as best as I can, really want to to remove all barriers. And and so instead of throwing up an explicit tag that might scare some people off, you know maybe um, I try to keep it, you know general audience as much as possible. However, uh, this time, uh, me and the Excaliburus have a pretty heated discussion, and in a good way, right? We're not argumentative, we're not, not meeting to each other, but um, it's pretty heated, and some some language stronger than usual um, is used on the podcast, on the episode. And so, normally, like if it's just a word here or there, um, you know, I'll make a note as we're going through, and I'll go back and just kind of soften it a little bit, uh, either by making it quieter or putting, <laughs> um, you know, or cutting it out or, or whatever. But there, I, first of all, I was very engaged in the conversation and really forgot to take notes. And so, um, instead of spending the time to try to figure out where they all are, I'm just going to throw this warning up front. So if that's something that bothers you, um, you know, you can, you can just kind of be aware that it's there or come check us back out next episode. Like I said, normally we're very, pretty PG-13 around here. But, you know, if if it doesn't bother you, then proceed as you normally would. So there you go. Hope you enjoy the episode, and here it comes. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. All right. <clears throat> Hey everybody, welcome to episode 409 of the podcast that goes snicked. Snicked. I'm your host, Jason, and I'm joined now by two of the Excaliburus, Dan and Georgie, as we are, whoa, halfway there on uh, S-Words. Hey guys. Hey. Yeah, I feel like the world was, is kind of living on a prayer at the moment, <laughs> Jason. Truer words have never been spoken. The, the depth and uh, <laughs> I don't even know where I'm going <laughs> of that song. Um, <laughs> you know, because uh, uh, Tommy had a job on the docks. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Well, yeah. So we it's are. A prophecy. It's a, it's Why? In keeping with X of Swords, that song is obviously a prophecy for what's happening in 2020. If we could just decode the prophecy of that classic Bon Jovi song, we might be okay. <laughs> that would be awesome. There needs to be a movie called The Bon Jovi Code. <laughs> <laughs> On a steel horse? A steel horse he rides? What's a steel horse? What's he talking about? It's from east to west. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, Bon Jovi is death. Okay, got it. All right. Makes sense. Yeah. So I've wow. seen a million faces and I've rocked them all. 
<laughs> rock slide, rock slide dies. Oh man, all right, we're getting closer, guys. There's a million possibilities it could have been, but we got this one. Oh, it's just making sense. <laughs> you, you, you two are literally insane. <laughs> that's what that's what happens when we have to do two episodes without you, Dan. We lose our marbles. So well, I haven't brought any, so I <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but um, we're not. We're actually not quite halfway. I guess we should have waited one more week to get chapter 11 so we can be officially halfway through Ten of Swords. But um, I feel like I, one more issue wouldn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> well, you right. remember, the next issue is these are the villains and here are their backstories. So you better care about them for 10 more issues. Yeah, right? Yeah. And it's probably it's two extra dollars. <laughs> no, it's a it's a stasis. Stasis. What does stasis mean? I thought that was like duck. <laughs> Frozen. Yeah, like, like I was stuck in this event for another ten, eleven, twelve issues. Right. Oh my god! You just get to the end. I want to read sword. <laughs> <laughs> Have you that guys, does uh... look pretty good, right? I mean, Ewing <laughs> and Skinny on a book that should be. Interesting, at least. Was that you guys ever watched the the show Spaced? Yes, it's like my child. It's like it's literally like the, a defining moment in my life. Just watching that show. <laughs> it's it's like the the guys that did Shaun of the Dead, etc. Did they did a TV show, Jason, before they did the movies? Okay. And there's a part where a, a girl is like going through this long story, and Simon Pegg's like, "Skip to the end," and then she says what happens at the end of the story. I feel like that's what we should be able to do with Exo Swords. <laughs> like, skip to the end. All right, let's let's move on. Right, right, yeah. So, um, yeah, Chin of Swords is a uh, it's a uh, dribbling right along. <laughs> when I say it's marching, it's um. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah, it might need it might need the drool wiped off of its chin, but um, it's there. So we're gonna cover Hellions, New Mutants, cable, oh gosh, um, Cable, Excalibur, and X Men, and you know then we'll have some kind of general conversation and maybe give a a quick shout out to Juggernaut. So that's what's on the menu. Who wants to be the first chef? I think that's you, Dan. We're going to talk about Hellions number five, which is chapter six of oh, 22. Right. Chapter that's six right. of 22. So, right. Hellions, uh, written by Zeb Well. Um, this is, by... is, is what everyone online has called this a funny book in, uh, <laughs> in <laughs> many terms. <laughs> you know, comics can be called funny books. This is see a you funny on the funny papers, Georgie. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I clearly have no sense of humor. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, that is going to haunt me forever. Um, Right. (laughs) Drawn by uh, Carmen Carnero. Isn't Carmen Carnero who drew X-Men Red? Yeah, the end of X-Men Red and then did some uh, Captain Marvel. Then kind of been um, jumping around a little bit, I think. I feel like I saw she has like a new book coming out and where she'll do a regular run again, but I forget what it is right this second. Ah. Um, well, it's color, color, 
colorist is David Curiel. Um, letterer is uh, VC's Ariana Mayer. Uh, designed by Tom Mueller, as usual. Um, Steven Segovia and Sunny Go do uh, the cover artist. But I do want to read. Read. Do you want to see the Sir Pacelli and Tamara Bonvillini? It's awesome. One. That's the one I got, and it's fantastic. So it's Psylocke, like with her sword, like she's um got her sword. I'm sorry. And when I say Psylocke, I mean uh. Quinn or Quanon. Um her sword pointed down from her face, so covering up one of her eyes. And then her other arm has like her the the focused totality of her <laughs> whatever. Um telekinetic dagger. But it, it looks really, really nice. It's kind of dark for a Pacelli drawing. When what I mean by that is like a lot of shadow. I don't I normally associate with her kind of light art, but this is it's really nice. It's well, worth, um, worth Googling, for sure. I, I sound better than this one. This one is a team shot of Ihelians, and I forgot how yeah. boring visually they look. Um, <laughs> so, it's, it's neither, for me, it's neither um, here nor there. But we do have an X and a sword together at the same time. So, mm-hmm. uh, and a 10. <laughs> I assume Alex is the 10, but... Uh, Oh yeah! <laughs> <Ooh>. Swing. <laughs> um. <laughs> How do you guys feel about this cover? I forgot what it looks like. <laughs> <laughs> it's a laugh riot, is what it is. Oh uh-huh. yes! Oh, starting at the cover. The joke started there. That's right. Yep. <laughs> it was hilarious. Um, I really like um. Like, so the best written thing in the entire book is actually the beginning, the um, little text from Nightcrawler, because A, it sounds like Nightcrawler, and B, it is a great idea to surround a book in. Ironically, this book will never achieve that. So um, we start and end <laughs> uh, with the fact. Um, uh, Empath wakes up, and he is a disgusting human being. No, <laughs> oh he, he hatches. Yes, he hatches, sorry. Um, he, he throws um, Hatchku at Xavier. <laughs> uh, he just walks See, around. It's funny. <laughs> it's funny to make fun of. Yeah. <laughs> he walks around being bitchy, five steps away from actually sounding like sinister himself. Um, mm-hmm. Spitting on the floor. Uh, Hope's not particularly happy. I don't think anyone is. Um, and then we have the uh, council debate. Uh, the idea of what would happen if we send people to this autonomous and we really shouldn't be sending people and yes this is where i started liking sinister because wells is right so sinister is very schizophrenic in the Uh current um world he has been extremely marvelous in uh house of x and um powers of 10 and he was randomly darker in fallen angels and in his other subsequent the subsequent event uh, he changes but in Helen's yeah. he uh, Wells tried to keep the camp um whereas Hickman's camp is nuanced and ridiculous um what Wells does here is pick a few elements that Hickman created uh, for him the obsession with the cape being one and rides the rides the journey um and, and we have to the ground until they die he just How? keeps Beating that dead horse again and again and again. Right. Fair enough. Fair enough. If your material works, you you, you can always go back to it. It's fine. Comedians do that, you know. Um, So 
they hatch a plan. Sinister actually hatches a plan. Um, this has nothing to do with sword collecting, so it at least gets an extra point for that. <laughs> uh, and he hatches a plan that we should invade. They should invade um, Araco. Is it Araco? Is that how you pronounce it? The other place. Yeah, Araco, Araco, whatever you want to call it. Um, and and kill and steal their swords. Um, so it is sword collecting. Yes, but not. They like don't sword thieving. <laughs> they don't actually collect a sword in this issue, which is a actual different thing that happened in a certain sword issue. They plan can we, instead. Can we so. point out how like they're like we don't want any of our mutants to die in the other world, otherwise things will happen. So let's send some mutants into the other world on a suicide mission no, with hopes that the Hellions. No one literally yeah. cares for them. They're like they're like. like I mean, if Wild Child comes back different. It's, it's most, you have like a 98% chance it's going to be an improvement anyway. So, <laughs> right. Oh, Dan, remember the issue we read for Exiles today? What yes. if the, the Alex that comes back is the evil Alex? Is that what we're setting up? Oh, man. Uh, and you know, what I just realized this, uh, this page when we see Purgatory, which is the Hellion staging theater, that's yes. not a post, that's a different panel. <laughs> <laughs> I thought Alex was leaning like on a post by the table, but no, he's actually back by the wall. I'm like, hey, wait, there's two havocs. No, there's oh. not. Never <laughs> yes, um, never after, mind. After there's a little tiny bit of comedy in the council place where Magneto does a little sly comedic moment, which is totally not Magneto, which is fine. But I thought it was funny when he was like, "I'll change my vote." Very Deadpool, actually. Reminded yeah. me. Of- Oh, I like but, that moment. Like it made sense for Magneto to be like, "Fuck this guy, I am voting for him to go." Like that makes total sense. And then Sinister sounded fun and playful, and I quite like this table scene with the. So we're we're at the, it moves on to the actual Hellions themselves, who really don't seem to care about each other, and they discuss like what they are, and it doesn't really last that long because they're not really anything, um, and they sort of realize that they're just like the runts and the the go getters, the um. The Wetworks team, which X-Force is supposed to be, but this one's is more defined. Then we have a funny moment with two... I thought it was a funny moment with two Sinister I did too. yeah. Mm-hmm. And the the whole who gets to wear the cape, and they play the immortal, <laughs> the immortal game of... Um, I assume it's rock, paper, scissors, um, unless they include other elements into Sinister's game, because I imagine he's crazy. Right. And then um, Empath turns up, uh, all fresh and new. No one gives a shit, because everyone seems to hate him. Uh, they go into Otherworld, uh, meet Jamie. Have, Jamie ends up having, uh, for the horse, Jamie ends up having Sinister's Cave, which is um, he's not very happy about. This whole like exchange between Jamie and Sinister is kind of fun as well, because Jamie is kind of a kooky, though Jamie's voice is completely broken. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it's not Jamie at all. But he is insane. <laughs> he is insane, so I'll let them off. And then um, basically we're walking around... Sinister wants Empath to do stuff, even though I believe Sinister's an Omega-level telepath, so he could do it himself, but who gets he never gets his hands dirty, I suppose. Empath will only do it if he can basically control... Um, his, oh, what is his name? I, I don't even remember. Greg. Greg. Yes. Yeah. Greg. Um, and so Sinister's like, whatever. Yeah. And then Greg is now, like, super in love with Empath and running around, and that's basically the end of the book, because they all have horses now. Their entire mission was to get horses, essentially, uh-huh. and to ride in the sunset. And I thought it was silly and a breath of fresh air for all no, the I, I, 
<laughs> so I actually I gave this book a really hard time because everyone was like, "Oh, this is the funniest thing since Deadpool." Um, I didn't you know. know I was the majority. But yeah, <laughs> but I actually I actually did kind of enjoy it, and I, I wrote my notes, and I think I tweeted this. Um, you know, it's the best issue of Excalibur since Don of X started. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and there really, I mean, and there are. It's maybe not quite as quote unquote funny as everyone wants to to, to say, but it was pretty fun. I thought overall, um, it was very kooky. Maybe that's a better word. Um, yes, and. You know, and I enjoyed like the this. I enjoyed Sinister in it. I enjoyed like he has this marvelous plan, but the moment they say, you know, he's the one that's going to go, he's like, well, maybe not. And then, you know, and then some version of him has to go anyway. Like, and there's a lot of funny elements. I thought the art was pretty good, um, as has often been the case in Don of X books. Curiel um, is one of the shining stars, and the colors work really well, especially in the beginning sequence. I thought. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I definitely gave it a hard time, but I didn't. I didn't hate it. I actually had a little bit of fun with it. I think um, I, I agree. The artwork is is the highlight of this book. Um, I, you, you said Carmen. What, what what's the last name? Carmen Carnero, I believe. Yeah, she did what the second half of Red. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. So I I feel like the her her pencils are uh, a welcome. I don't know. They, they sort of. Not a welcome change, but it does sort of match the the artistic style of what we had previously. I I, I really thought the artwork was uh, pretty pretty nice here. Um, yeah, it's everything outside of the artwork that I have issues with. <laughs> I don't understand why this nanny character is there. Like they keep trying to make it sound like she she's a, a bumbling nanny idiot who has this man child she's taking care of, and they both are terrible at whatever they're doing. I don't find that hilarious at all. Um, I didn't. Yeah. Jamie having that, you said, you said this about the horse and his subject being like, I never said that King Jamie was the worst joke I've ever heard. Uh, going on and on and on. Um, I enjoyed, I enjoyed sinister, like arguing with this clone. It, it just feels like, it's it's a, a pale comparison to what we've had with Sinister previously, you know. It, it's that it's disappointing in that way, and um, I, I don't know, man. Like it, it feels like all right, we're gonna go, and then we went, and then nothing happened. It really is slow in plotting. I feel like it's a book finding its voice because I think <laughs> <laughs> good thing. <laughs> Episode five, issue five, six. Yeah, finally. I just, I would I I genuinely say, hand on heart, it had a good hook. Like these are the rejects, these are the people they don't know what to do with. That's a good hook, but it didn't know how to distinguish itself from X Force until today, until this issue. If they can keep it in the sort of semi kooky, semi bizarre, um, it'll it be will a better book. Yeah, yeah, yes. it'll distinguish itself from X Force and be a better, a more interesting team book. I think here, I think they do need to make Empath less sinister light and more like, because he is just like, what, like a psychopath, right? He seems mm. like a psychopath. Um, but he does sort of like ham it up a bit. So the voices need to be a bit more distinct. And I do think um, Psylocke needs to, you know, do something. <laughs> 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 Being like the team leader, she doesn't do something. I feel. Um, Did she it, or Wild Child say anything this issue? 
I, uh, I well, remember Greco's warning not to use your powers to manipulate the team. That's the important thing to remember. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Wild Child is Michael Jackson's ghost in this movie. Oh, God. Um, well, I think Nani, that's the only dialogue, I think. Nanny and um, Arthur Maker need to just... The dead weight needs to be dropped. I think if they streamline yeah. the team, streamline the team to, like, four of them... Or is it four of them? Take those yeah. two off, basically. If they just or, threw those away. Or, or replace them with someone. I mean, yeah. I think Sinister's a big enough personality to replace, just have them gone. Then sure. the rest of the team the rest of the team would work. Um, you don't want to be too quirky because everyone's achieving that super quirky status with X Factor basically on the on the on one end of the spectrum. This trying to be quirky, and I'm assuming everything else is gonna do the same at some point. But um I think artistically, this doesn't look like Kanoa's like most recent work. I literally read some of her Miss um, Marvel, and I was like, "This is a different. This almost feels like a completely different artist." And it is the color work, um, which makes it, it more. Well, it, it makes it look more like the some of the other Dawn of X books. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, and it has like a more of a cartoony style to it, um, or like a bright, brighter style. But I feel. It may not be the funniest book, but it made me smile all the way through. And out of all the shit that, like, was it chapter six out of a hundred or whatever, mm-hmm. I've, uh, I feel like I've, I've gone through a marathon with the last five chapters. Um, so it's nice to have like a weird little break where it's just a. This feels like one of those interludes, and it's all. And we all know it's going to go horribly wrong, and all of them will be dead or something by, by the end. Because it'll be a good way to cancel the book, I suppose, if it's not selling. <laughs> <laughs> but because um, it's not going to go, they're not going to steal the swords. Because then, what's the point of collecting said swords if you're not going to make the swords fight the swords? <laughs> right. But how awesome would it be if they did? <laughs> yeah. It just ends. But they even the talk about that in the other books. Like, well, if Sinister, when Sinister's fan plan fails. Um, you know, we have to be ready, dot, dot, dot. So, yeah, it's, it's a hopeless mission. But but then that does bring up kind of the intrigue. Well, if they're going to fail, what is that failure going to look like? And I, I think yeah. I would be interested in seeing that a little bit. I know, I think Georgie probably doesn't care, <laughs> and that's fine. Um, <laughs> this stuff feels like we have this brand new start for everyone. Everyone gets to start over, except for Havoc, who gets thrown in with the rejects. I, yeah. And yeah. no one cares. Like, his family doesn't care about him at all. It's just like, yep, let's send him He's off He's allowed to, to have tea with them. He still has tea with his family. That's fine. He still goes to have some food. That's cool. Yeah. People do care. But then, like, we're sending you on a suicide mission. No one's like, well, uh, I'm going to miss. No one misses him. No one cares. No, you're going to have to just admit that you are the only Havoc fan left in existence no 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 me i he's still my favorite summers <laughs> oh my god <laughs> um no no not the way he's currently written i'm just over the as a character i he's my favorite summers um I, i'm gonna say that um that's okay and thank you thank you you got it jason you have his permission to yeah. like havoc <laughs> yeah he says, Dan says, that's okay, but you need to go to therapy. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, I, I, obviously, I need to go to therapy because this is my favorite chapter of Dawn of X, and I am more interested in Sinister's suicide mission. Whoa, 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 whoa. You meant to say your favorite chapter of Ten of Swords, right? 
Yeah, I should have said tennis arts okay. because it's all, okay. it's all blending into one. Because <laughs> no, no, I, I, I was going to say it's probably my favorite chapter of this episode. Um, but to say all of Donna Vex, I might have a small aneurysm. <laughs> uh, That's why I've been off for two weeks, clearly. Right? <laughs> I've lost my mind. Yeah. Oh my god. Can we move on yet? <laughs> sure. Yeah. What do you, what do you want to give Hellion number five? Four out of six. Wow. Uh, yeah, I'm going to give it a, a very solid four out of six clause for me. I will give it a low three, mostly for the artwork. Okay. Uh, maybe maybe entirely for the artwork. <laughs> that is fair. That is fair. Um, okay. Well, so let's move on then to chapter seven, which is going to be New Mutants number 13. And the first issue of this book I've read in a while. Um, <laughs> so right. let's, uh, this is going to be written by Ed Brisson, his last. Um, is it? Uh, I believe so, yeah. Or does he finish out the event? I thought I read this was his, his farewell. Oh, okay, I thought this was, this was uh, the new writer already. <laughs> <laughs> it does feel like it. It's his best issue of this volume, for sure. <laughs> Um, right. Art, <laughs> art by Ron Reyes, um, letters of EC's Travis Lanham, designed by Tom Mueller, and the cover, uh, Ron Reyes doing his best uh, Mike Del Mundo impersonation. You know, I, I am on record a huge Ron Reyes fan. I don't really like this cover. Um, Me neither. It's magic running it, Doug, cutting through the cover with her sword. And then underneath the cover are a scared Doug face and an angry magic face. I'm assuming the very faces that they're showing in the smaller picture just blown up. But it doesn't really look like Rod Race. I like. Yeah, I was no, actually kind of surprised all. when it said cover by Rod Race. I was like, are you sure? Maybe it wasn't. Maybe it's someone else. Um, well, like, I, the the magic face kind of reminds me of uh, Del Mundo a little bit, though the the main scene does not look like him either. So I don't know. I was like, I don't know who, what what's going on here. But I don't care for it. it looks like the, the main the, the running looks like Acuna, um, Daniel Acuna. Um, okay. He did a lot of. Yeah. I'm trying to think. Uh, Uncanny Avengers, Captain America, Black Panther. His current yeah, work on Black Panther is really good, by the way. It really is. It really is. Um, yeah, it looks sort of like that to me. I yeah. don't mind it. It just is a cover. There you go. Yeah, it's fine. There's also lightning along the spine, and every time I pick this up, I think my book is like creased and wrinkled. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, you have to grade this fine. <laughs> Can't say near mint. Oh, never mind. It's just the pencils. <laughs> like you were gonna send this in to get graded. I was. I was the last, the last comic Ed Brisson ever wrote. Um, <laughs> just kidding. I, I'm sorry. I should not bag on him quite so much because he actually does does okay on this one. Um, all right. So basically. Everyone try so we find out the, the worst kept secret on Krakoa that Warlock is back and he's gonna be Doug's sword 
And basically, this whole issue is everyone trying to talk Doug out of using the sword. Let someone else use it. But he wants to train because he wants to prove himself. So Magic helps him train, not because she believes in him, but because she doesn't want him to die. Because she cares about him, though she still thinks he will fail. And then Exodus tries to get him, but Krakoa defends him. Um, That scene, I don't really know why that was even there. Um, And then Krakoa talks to... Uh, Doug threw Mondo's stomach again and says, please, please, please give someone else a sword. He's like, no, I can't. And then so he eventually goes and puts his sword in the in the stone thing. And that's it. Beautiful looking book. Some of the dialogue is fine. Like it really, it's not great, but it really is better than the first two issues of Briston's run that I ran and then dropped. Um, much better than that. I thought I kind of thought some of the interplay between Magic and Doug actually kind of worked. So, what did y'all think? So, it is stunning to look at in places. Yes. Like, uh-huh. It truly is. Like the color work um, when they fight uh, with the red is mm-hmm. brilliant. Um, I think if if the words weren't there, it would have easily told the story visually without needing. The dialogue because um, it's very expressive and he manages to ex- make a tree expressive um, in the form of Fukoa. I think this is easily the best non Brisson book Brisson has ever written. Um, <laughs> and it reads like someone else has written it, which. Yeah, yeah. Might have which been is a case. compliment. You don't sound yeah. like yourself. Good job. <laughs> I think there are certain choices, um, though understandable. Exodus seems completely out of like left field, and the mm-hmm. whole whereas Kokoa didn't like the Kokoa moment probably could have fleshed out a little bit more and just dropped the Exodus stuff. Yeah, um, I know we're going to get to it at some point, but uh, the little interludes telling me about places and swords are really just oh, I, I put me to sleep. My eyes glossed over every time those popped up. I know it's supposed to be keeping like a notebook. <laughs> of my notes on all the places so I can have my my map ready to go, but I just don't really care. Uh, my, my big, right, so I've got three slight criticisms, right? Um, obviously, this is Doug, retcon Doug into Kokoro and Doug, but um, my first criticism is, I believe when he was first resurrected in oh my god, what was that event? Um, Selena, everyone came back from the dead. Oh, Necrotia. That's the one. Um, he used his power of language to, to dismantle his teammates because he could see all of their moves before them and use yeah. their own emotions. And they and eventually like, mention that here, and he's learned to read Magic's fighting style, but it does take a while, which is kind of weird. And I was like, surely he's a fighting machine, according to that old um, old chestnut. Um, my, <laughs> second thing, my second thing is, um, George will probably say this as well. It's so heavy-handed in yeah. Doug will die um, that I don't believe that is the case. It's clearly a red herring, um, which makes you think Magic will be the one that dies um, out of all of them, which I know might oh. be because um, she's so ready for it. And in every book, she's like, "I'm up for a fight. I'm up for a fight," and she's probably going to get her head lopped off and lopped off in the first like ten minutes. Um, so then that's my problem with it and it just feels a bit too heavy-handed in a lot of but when it's in its finer details and its finer emotions 
Uh, Briston captures what he did on um, Sheltered, where he manages to yeah capture like, like the, the innocence. Reiner. Of, <laughs> yes, right. He manages to capture like the innocence, but the sort of like, self determination of youth, which he manages to to um, capture in Sheltered, and he manages to funnel that through Doug, making Doug a far more interesting. Because let's be honest, Doug has just been happy tree boy since Krakoa right. this whole thing started, right. and it, it's nice to see him have a little bit more of a layer um here and um i'm rooting for him now because before i was like warlock's just gonna win for him right because warlock's pretty much immortal so, um but now i'm like go on doug don't die and um that's good that's good writing i actually care <laughs> so that's good and also it's the best looking book that swords of x has ever had so there we go i don't think I... it's gonna be a nice looking book um <laughs> I, I agree. It um, it's very heavy-handed, and I, I agree that this is probably the best Brisson book I've read in a long time. Hell, I I thought I wrote it. So uh, you know, good good for him. Uh, I really th- and no glob in the whole issue. No glob. Hooray. Unless he was the coloring in the fight scenes. Oh. Was, was... <laughs> it was filmed through glob. Uh, right. Yeah. Um. <laughs> My problem with a lot of what the X writers are doing now is they're sort of reverting back to events or time periods that they like the characters to be in. So um, we've got Alex being the, the the crazy one who's in love with um, the Goblin Queen, which really has not been his thing for a long time. We've got Doug going back to I'm helpless. I need to prove myself uh, in a fight, which is not something he's done in, in a very long time. It just feels like really regressive for the characters, and it, it it feels like so heavy, heavy foreshadowing that Doug's gonna die here. And I I understand if you're chosen, there would like if you're a Doug who um, isn't known for his fighting, you would be or obviously sword skills, you would be nervous about that. Which you know this is, is a good issue of of delving into his worries and his conflict, but it's it's like beating you over the head with it so much that if it's if if it does happen and he dies, it feels like they've done too much. And if it's a red herring, it still feels like they've done too much to push you in the other way. It, yeah. It's it, I don't feel like he Brisson is a very nuanced writer, and that's what we're getting here is like here's the subtext as text as I hammered into your skull, uh, which is problematic. You know the artwork obviously it's Rod Reyes, so it's hard to dislike. I didn't feel like it's it was quite up to his normal standards. If that makes sense, it felt a little bit simpler, a little bit easier. Um, but uh, you know, anytime we get a Rod Reyes issue, I'm not going to complain about uh, his artwork. Hell, I even after reading this, I even went back to look at Cowell's uh, issues just to flip through the book for his his old artwork for that. <laughs> so um, yeah, I'm happy happy Reyes is on the book for as long as they'll be able to keep him on the book. I just wish it wasn't like bright neon signs sort of leading you down the path of where we know this is going to go, kind of a, an issue. I'd argue that it is the most the most um, focused character one that we've had in, in the collecting sure. of the Starfielders, because all the others have been nonsense, um, and this has been an emotionally driven concept. Um, mm-hmm. My only problem is, like, out of every, all of these chosen ones, I must admit that having only Doug as the non-fighter, because every other fucking member is like a badass. 
Um, I feel like they should have the choices should have been diversified a little bit more. Like they should have other people who aren't as much known for their swordy capabilities. Because um, everyone else is like literally a trained fighter, and then there's just Doug. Right. right. We're gonna get the Excalibur, where we get two more people who know how to use swords. So yeah. <laughs> and I, I I disagree wholeheartedly on one of those decisions. Sure. Um, that's just mental. Anyway. Well, then let's let's work our way there then. So what do y'all think of New Mutants thirteen? I'm gonna give it a very solid four out of six for me, mostly for the art, but also somewhat for the writing as well. After you, Georgie. All right, I'll I'll give it a, a solid four as well. Like I do feel like Brisson can't help himself uh, a little bit here, but <laughs> the, the best thing I've read from him in, in forever and in, in Reyes is is still doing the doing what he should be doing. So a, a solid four. I'm going to be a little kinder and give it a five. I think because it doesn't sound like Brisson, that's a that's a massive plus. Um, and it looks amazing, and I feel like it's it, it's giving. Even though it's heavy-handed, it does give personal stakes to at least two of the characters that were actually introduced. I have sure. no connection to... I should have a connection to Storm, but that issue was drivel. Like, literal drivel. So, I, I'm like... I, the only two people I'm rooting for in this entire smallest board of dead people is uh, Doug and Magic now. And that's because of this. Fair enough. So. Oh, dear. All Just right. Everywhere. everywhere. No, that's good. That's good. <laughs> Um, all right, so chapter eight will be cable number five. There you go. You're doing this, I need to pull up some notes from Grant, so go ahead and jump on in. Sure, uh, just let me pull up the book really quick. Cable number five, writer is uh, Jerry Duggan, artist Phil Noto, letters VCs Joe Sabino, design Tom Muller, Covers by Phil Noto, um, and on the cover we have um, the three summer, the Summers family, uh, mother, father, and son, uh, in some space station with alien pods above them, uh, and sort of lit greenish blue. Uh, the covers the covers are right. I I don't uh, I don't dislike it, but it didn't really stand out to me either. It was kind of just these are three characters. Yeah, it's kind of like, ooh, it's alien. Like they're on a spaceship and there's something above them on the ceiling. Mm-hmm. It's fine. It's, it's, it's no no, so it's still cool, but it's, I mean, it's at the bottom of his work, <laughs> but still above a lot of other people, I guess. Sure, sure. Um, it, they could have saved this cover because they're doing like an aliens. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah, they are. <laughs> Bearing cover. Bearing cover. I think I feel like that would very much fit this whole business. It's very bland. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah. All right. So our Summers family are on uh, the Sword uh, satellite here, 280 miles from Earth, and uh, they've restarted the spaceship with the sort of Galador or Galadriel. I, I tend to say in my head. Um, <laughs> It's a Lord of the Rings crossover. So the Summers family is searching through uh, the satellite. No one's around. Um, then, uh, boy, I almost said flanks. Jesus, what is what is wrong with my head today? 
Uh, then Ilyana uh, messages them like, hey, you need to get back down here with your sword. Uh, she and Cyclops have a little talk about maybe they'll, uh, they're working on something. Uh, the Summers family splits up. Uh, Cyclops and, and the Cable find a door that's been sealed shut, which uh, Cyclops is able to laser open. Where I saw this again on, on the internet. We've got, does he have laser eyes or does he have force beams? And, it, you know, it depends on whoever's writing him. But he's yeah, got he's laser eyes in this definitely issue. Definitely laser eyes, for sure. Yeah. Like a, a blowtorch. You know what would be cool? If, like, he shoots out energy out of his eyes and then he uses his, like, visor to adjust the, the energy to, like, a cutting ah, beam. I would, okay. That would be cool, but whatever. That's that's sort of uh, George Cannon. Um, <laughs> meanwhile, uh, Jean uh, discovers some dude standing in an airlock and he's freaked out and she asks what happens. Uh, he's got no eyes. Uh, and then he's got alien eyes, which he uses to explain what happened. And then he jumps out the airlock and dies. And Jean's like, don't open the door. And the boy's like, too late. Uh, so she comes in. There's a, a door to another dimension. And uh, aliens start coming through. And uh, the Summers kill them. And then uh, they kill them some more. And then they're like, you need to shut off the power cable. So go get your sword. He goes to get his sword. Uh, husband and wife laser these aliens up cable pulls out his sword and the day is saved uh they they uh use the gateway to come back cable puts his sword into the ground and we have one two three four five people ready to fight um and Ilyana and cyclops and uh gene uh, start talking about maybe there's another way for us to intervene into the fight um the end i thought i found this kind of a bland issue for this book uh, sort of the humor and fun is is gone. kind of gone in this issue for sure. <laughs> and the other thing that was really helping it was the sort of the the very colorful action dynamics. And, and unfortunately, like random black suits coming out of a portal, being shot uh, in by a laser in a wide shot isn't really like dynamic or engaging. It's just sort of he shot stuff, and Cable pull, pulled out a sword. It the only really interesting art. That I found was the uh, the guy who'd been taken over by the alien, um, and 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 those panels, the shock and the, the surprise on, on the faces. It was just like they're there and then they're not there. And uh, next issue, we're gonna maybe start X of Swords. Right. It, uh, it was it was really kind of boring to me. Yeah, I agree. Um, the only thing I'll say is the art was still pretty good. I agree. And all the shadow doesn't really let no toes shine. I will say. As much as I hate Gene being in this costume, No Toes version is the best. So if we have to have it, let him let him be the one that draws it. Can this not? It's not over sexy. It's just kind of her walking around and the surprise of surprises, miracle of miracles. That the head thing actually looks kind of cool when he draws it, which is <laughs> I never like that. <laughs> so um, yeah. Um, I don't really have much to say other than commenting that that he makes Gene look okay in a costume that I hate. Um, sure. I mean, Noto, is, it's not like he's doing a bad job here. No, it's just, it's just not a lot to work with, to be yeah. honest. So my turn, then. Um, I think it's the worst. Like, it's really bland. Like, the artistic 
all of it is bland. <laughs> like it just generally, <laughs> like the, the colors are muted. And when I saw the doorway, I got confused because obviously I thought it was like that black vortex bullshit from. Oh yeah, Black uh, Mirror or whatever. Yeah. I was like, oh right. I mean, is this going to be relevant? Oh no, none of this is relevant. The only relevant part is the sword gets pulled out, so it's used. Like, um, it feels like we're we're doing like, um, a before we establish sword we have to clear it out and then there was like the whole oh he's got demonized it's like he's from event horizon and then she's like oh no it's gonna attack her is she gonna be no she's fine none of this matters it was nice to hear Jean be actually um i don't know a person because she's sort of lost the ability to be anything since um dawn of x um and it was nice to see her just like do it herself and send the boys on she's like i'll be fine because I'm literally the most powerful thing on on the planet, basically. I'll be okay. Don't worry about me. Um, I agree that Noto can draw her dress. I still think it's garbage, and it should just be... Oh, right, right. Yeah, I mean, we should use Dodderman's costume at all times, but... Yes, pretty much. Um, But aside from, like, trying to set up some sort of storyline for another book that has nothing to do with pointy swords, um, it's just, I don't know. And then right at the end, it's like... Oh, hi, Doug. I didn't know there was a swordsman. <laughs> Guffaw. And it was just like, <laughs> not a joke. And then Magic's like, we have to do a plan. But isn't, I'm like, isn't Sinister already doing a plan? What the, like, let's, let's be honest. Right. Saturn, they don't, Saturn. they don't like that plan. Cyclops yeah, has but, a better plan. Did, did not, were not all of them in the room when the goddess of Overworld basically went, I can do anything I want because apparently my powers have been completely and utterly tripled since last you saw me. Um, <laughs> yeah. I can literally do whatever you want. I'm literally the god of everything. Um, I don't know. I just, I don't know. It just feels weak sauce, man. And I'm, I'm thinking, is Cable, the next Cable issue just going to be Cable shoving a sword into another thing where we have another story that means nothing? And then he pulls the sword out again and then it's fine. I don't know. Right. Of all of all the the swords have to get to the thing thing, this was by far the one that was the biggest departure from the current story. His sword, which is now called the Light of Krakoa or whatever, because you can name his sword. Um, uh-huh. His sword was only the only use for his sword is so we could have that beautiful cliffhanger in the um, X of Alpha, where it it, it, it created the the base turned on. That was all his sword's been used for, and the only reason. And then everyone decided, oh, shit, how do we get it back onto the turntable of Doom? Uh, <laughs> that's all this was. I don't know. I'm really down on this book. Like, if you want me to, I'm going to give it two. I didn't like, oh. I like it. I didn't like it. <laughs> I okay. I well, happy. before I give my grade, uh, Grant from the Cable Guide podcast, who is a great guy and has a great show, uh, has been following along Cable. He's not been following along all of Ten of Swords, so that's going to flavor a little bit. But um, he sent us a couple of notes. I wanted to read them. Um, he did say he's glad Dugan decided to stay on the book for S-Words, you know, whereas he kind of dropped from Marauders. Um, he enjoys the good nature, antagonistic, he said banter, I think he meant bantor, between Nate and Scott. Um, he was disappointed to see Jean still in the green mini dress as opposed to her correct Dodderman costume, but I guess that's what she was wearing in the previous chapter. Uh, the sword agent with the black eyes and the thing on his forehead reminded me of Sam Neill's character in Event Horizon, so there you go, Dan, y'all are on the same page. Um, <laughs> and he, uh, he was disappointed in the creatures that came through the black gate. He said they looked cool, no toes aren't as great as usual, but 
robotic aliens that want to cleanse the universe with the plot of Hickman's Infinity. And while Deegan plotted the issue, he's obviously following uh, Hickman's blueprints for larger design. Um, he was intrigued by the mention in the peak flight data recorder that the station safety protocols are overridden by station command. He's assuming this is a setup for the sword ongoing, but he hopes they focus more on the creepy mystery aspect rather than the robot exterminators from beyond. Um, and he basically just wants the event to be over so we can get back to what he's really here for, the side plot of old man Nate in hell. <laughs> and uh, he gave it three out of six claws, I believe. He didn't, I think he said that in our chat. I was trying to find it. Um, I forgot yeah. old man cable's a thing. <laughs> yeah. I want to go back to the plot of Cable dating all the cuckoos at once because that was about to go wow wow. I want to see Kid Cable date all of all of not just all the cuckoos, all of Krakoa, all of everything, all of womanhood at once. Sure, let's yeah, do it. Everybody, not just womanhood, all of them. I want to see him on a date yeah. with Blob. I want to see him on a date with everyone. Like just yeah. every <laughs> issue is just him dating someone else. Uh, that, uh, should that should be the one. A Krakow and Tree Limb, and that'd be a yeah. good date. Um, it should, it should, it'd be the only reason why it'd be any good. Because if old man, if Crusher T, Old Man Cable comes back, I'd be like, oh god, I got rid of you. Why are you back? Like, <laughs> All right. All right. Well, Georgie, I think I'm going to. I think the art is good enough, and there was enough dialogue that was okay. I'm probably going to give this a soft three out of six. So, so Dan was two. Mm-hmm. Me and Grant were three. Where are you going to land? Three out of six. I felt yeah. like uh, it was very pedestrian. It was like I would forget about this issue in a week. There's, yeah. It's very, as, as I said, very bland. Just, um, I, I don't know. It feels like treading water. Fair enough. I agree. Okay. Well, chapter nine of Ten of Swords is Excalibur number... Or, or is it? 13. Um, this is written by Teeny Howard. Art by R.B. Silva, which I was excited to see for a second. Uh, colors by Nolan Woodard. Letters by V.C. Zariana Mare. Um, designed by Tom Mueller. Mahmoud Azrar and Matthew Wilson do the cover. And the cover is... A version of Captain Britain, like like an old one, right? Where he has like the old English lion on his chest, as yeah, Brian fighting. Okay, Lionheart um, fighting Captain Britain as Betsy, and they're going out into this. This is a fine cover. It's pretty nice. I mean, it's Azrar, so it's pretty good. I quite like it. It's, it, it's more like a panel of a. It's more like a panel inside the book than it a cover. If that makes sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I quite like it, and I really like this costume on Brian. And it's a shame that we get basically vomit on a page as his next costume. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's yeah. not Captain Britain anymore, so he can't wear this costume. Uh, he, could, yeah. uh, he could wear this and just call himself Lion Man or something. Lion or Man English, or English lad or something. <laughs> My name is Leo. Um. All right, so. Uh, basically, Captain Britain is super grouchy. Um, they go to Otherworld as a as a Braddock family trip. 
to see Saturnine. There's like a memorial, Braddock Memorial in a garden. Or no, I guess it's a Captain Britain over, like, the Captain Britain Corps. And Saturnine's like, oh, we don't have that anymore. And, and Captain Britain um, is like, well, yes, we do. We have my new corps that I just started from my brother's weird fever dream. And she's like, oh, it doesn't count. And you don't count either. I hate you. We hate each other. Let's all yell and, and be mad. Oh, Brian, you're sexy. Come to my chambers. I'm gonna I'm gonna use that line next time. Hey, hey, love, come to my chambers. Um, so he does. Jason, can I just stop you for a second? You sound ridiculous, and it's insane. Oh, I, that I am. Actually, I am ridiculous. That's actually what. No, but it's insane that that's actually what's on the page. Oh yeah, <laughs> it's like insert, it's like insert random infighting for no reason, and we get like eight pages of just like I hate you, I hate you. I'm not really gonna explain myself why. Well, I'm not gonna explain myself either. Erg. I don't. Urgh. Yeah. yeah. So so Brian wants to talk and Betsy wants to fight. They both get their way. There's lots of talking and fighting. Um speaking of the rogue Captain Britain Corps, they tried to kill Jamie for some reason. Um he yells, they run to save. Brian doesn't want the sword of might, but he takes it up anyway because because Betsy has her telekinetic sword. She doesn't need a real sword. She has the amulet that she breaks. To pee in Saturnine's Cheerios, Saturnine's like, I don't care about that stupid amulet. I don't have a council to question me anymore, so I can just pick whoever I want to be Captain Britain. But Brian becomes Captain Avalon in his new uh, 1993 cross gen uniform that he's wearing. Um, <laughs> and um, yeah, then they get all put in prison. But Betsy escapes into the darkness because Jamie catches her on a griffin thing. And then, turns out Brian doesn't really want to sleep with the Omnimatrix. He was just trying to trick her. Because, you know, I am a married, I'm a married family man, see? And, um, so then Betsy runs in and grabs the Starlight Sword, which is made from a piece of the Starlight Citadel. And then Brian keeps the Sword of Might, and then they go, and they are Swords 6 and 7, respectively. So we only, wait, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7. Yeah. And then there's three left. Mm-hmm. That's really all you need to know from this issue is there are three left. I was really bummed because I thought, oh, RB Silva's <laughs> going to, he's going to come save this book. And his art is fine. Like, he's not responsible for this, but it's just. Is this like a trend where like, oh, these great artists are, are trying to save these books, but the story just keeps dragging them all down? I just, I don't, I, I don't want to beat a dead horse because I know y'all talked about this, not only on Scalabros, but here on my podcast as well. This book just doesn't make any damn sense. No. I mean, it doesn't. It's completely impossible to follow. Um, I don't understand what the goal is for, like, Excalibur in general. Like, I just, I don't, I'm not having fun. I, yeah. <laughs> Why do you think we don't read this on our show oh, anymore? Oh, I, I know, I know. And this stupid event made me get back into it. So, I really like the art. Like and the color work—that's not in question. Yeah, like, sure. Yeah, no, this is this is what we've been saying all 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 all, all episode. Hey, <laughs> I like this artist. Oh, this story's kind of rough. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, 
really beautiful like um panels like um betsy holding the starlight sword close to her face while it like sort of shines on her while she's um almost looks like she's shedding a tear there's some really like stunning looking pages uh the where she jumps into the darkness that's brilliant that, like, oh yeah the, the whole conceptually that's like visually that's excellent conceptually that's a great idea and being caught by her mad brother and all this jazz however <laughs> what you failed to mention jason is they casually kill jubilee just like just well, kill her they're not real jubilee right these aren't real people are they i have no idea anymore uh, yeah i don't know i just assumed they were like they were the leftovers from from that issue where Jamie had the dream and they became Captain Britain. But that, is that really them? It can't I, be. One of, one of, maybe one you're of right, Dan. Maybe they did just kill. Because we haven't seen the normal characters since. So I, I have no idea. One of them's Again, supposed to be Richter. So Richter's still alive. So oh, that's yeah, it. that's true. That's true. But I feel like Betsy isn't Betsy. Like, I know she's a bit pig-headed, but, and, like, her and her brothers can argue, but it's fun, it's, like, I love Brad, I, I love Braddock drama. It's like, it's like watching three English people argue over a piece of toast. It's, it's usually great to see. But, like, I can't get over the fact that it's not written by someone who's English. Um, okay? There you go. People should (laughs) only write what they are. (laughs) (laughs) Because, like, they, they use some, like, he uses some croakalism, uh, Howard uses some croakalisms that do work, but because they seem, like, the rest of the sentence is very American. Uh, the rest of the sentence is very American. And then all of a sudden they throw in an English word. It's like Claremont, peak Claremont. I was about to say there was a couple of Claremontisms I was going to ask you about, but I forgot to write them down. You know, yeah. I'd give this book another, another you know, number uh, bump if, if she ever used the word struth. I would definitely That's be. true, yeah. You know, yeah. The, the concept, like the concept, isn't bad. The way they get the starlight sword, uh, even though it sounds like something out of Zelda, um, is it, very, very much like something out of Zelda, where it's just crafted out of a piece of a castle. Um, and it's no, all that's very, a cool idea. It, but it's all very right. video game. The whole thing feels very video game to me. Um, but I suppose it is contest of champions, so you can't expect too much from it. Right. Um, but I feel like it's like we're arguing. Here's a graveyard of like dead Captain Britain, which we'll just gloss over. I no longer have a council, but when you first saw me, I had loads of people around me, but apparently no one's here now. Um, well, in, in, that, in that X in that X of Swords Alpha, she had an entire retinue of people talking to her and like like sort of advising her. And now she has no one. So what's happened in between? Well, um, because she was trying to seduce Brian, she didn't want people around to mess her up, and she got rid of him. And I feel like her seduction of Brian is just a nod to the fact that she's been chasing that tale since the eighties, right? You know what I mean? So, oh, yeah. And it sort of goes up and down and up and down, and then it's like I'm Captain Avalon, and I was like, that is the worst thing that has assaulted my brain since the last time I read this book. You know what I mean? Like, like it's just. That that's just a bad idea, and then they decide to have a non-mutant. When we've had these arguments about mutants, um, but they, have, they have they have a non-mutant to represent the mutant kingdom. And poor Brian, he is a red shirt. He is going to be murdered. There is no, there's no two ways about it. Brian is either going to Brian is going to die, and Betsy's going to be upset about it, and that's going to be Excalibur ad nauseum for the next ten years um, until they resurrect. Surely this book doesn't have ten years of legs on it. 
No, no, it's just Betsy's storyline for 10 years. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know, and I don't feel like anyone's got, like... Teeny Howard wants to write Apocalypse. Teeny Howard wants to write Jamie. Teeny Howard wants to write anyone but the actual characters that she picked to be in the book. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, yeah, it's really we haven't had... Rogue, Gambit, Jubilee have been missing in action for issues now. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it's really frustrating because, like, um, Jamie sounds good when she's writing it. And Apocalypse sounded good. Maybe not all the time, but sure. he did. And I think I think she, she has kind of an interesting voice for Brian and an interesting voice for um, Satine. And then, or Satine, whatever they want to call her. And, um, and then she has this really aggressive thing for Betsy. And I feel like Betsy, I thought the whole point of Betsy being in her normal body was like a freeing experience. And I know she right. didn't want to be, be Captain Britain, but like... But she does, right? Yeah, she does. She doesn't want anyone to take it away from her. It's, it's weird. And, and and yeah, and then they just stand with everyone and everyone's like, oh, who's the, le- who the next week? Oh, uh, one of them's Apocalypse, by the way, everyone. And the other one's um, Gargan. So the only mystery is the, is the, the tenth member. Like, literally, the only mystery is the tenth sword, which is, is that not Xavier's fucking stupid Cerebo sword? No, I think that wasn't on the list. Right? Oh, my lord. I can't remember what was on the list. Like, <laughs> Gorgon on the list? I Gorgon's, think Gorgon's gonna get one, yeah. Because he's got the grass cut, hasn't he? Which is his sword. Um, so, I believe that's the sword. Well, who knows? Gorgon was definitely in the picture. But I don't know. Yeah. I just don't like it. I, I love the art, and I really like, like the visuals, like um, the, the, the sort of sort of westernized like the very like modern westernized idea of like an Orphorian legend and having like a it feels very Narnia with everyone all the stone statues and uh-huh. I, I generally think it's got like a really nice romantic romantic um sensual quality to 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 when the, like Betsy is doing her thing and then when Brian's with Satine and I think everyone looks okay apart from Brian's costume um but I just I just don't like it so I can't give I just can't Give it more than it, more than the art deserves. That the, I feel bad because that art deserves like five, six. I mean, but but like we keep saying, the script's like a dead weight. <laughs> yeah, it's, drowning it's, everything it's else, pulling it under the waves for sure. I don't know. I'm, I can't. I'm, I can't understand this book. Like, there's random infighting for reasons. The brand's like, why won't you talk to me? But she's like, no, we have to fight. Why don't? Why? Why don't you? This is, it's like that same trope of like heroes meet and they have a uh, uh, they're not sure what the problem is so they decide to punch each other instead of talk for twenty seconds to figure out what the problem is. It's and I know like family you don't always think logically but this feels like up and up and away just the dumbest things people could do. Uh, I, I agree we're missing all these characters some of which we were really excited to see together and they're just not around for and I don't know why. Uh, you know, she got to pick her team. Why are these people on the team where they got I mean, they got underused when they were on the team to begin with? And now they're just they've just disappeared. Uh, it, it should just be maybe what it is is she can write like alpha characters, but she can't write supporting characters because, as you mentioned, uh, Jamie is uh, I like her voice for him and, and for Apocalypse. Um, and even for for sending, it feels like, all right, this is how how she would sound but everyone else is just just fodder she's i think she's uninterested in anyone except for like these four characters and it's it just feels like a once again a waste a waste of pages 
I, there's a reason we don't read this book anymore, and it's not because of the artist. No, because, I mean, Silva's fantastic. I think Toe is carrying, I mean, Toe's been really good on this book as well. I know, I know Georgie, thankfully, Silva does a lot more backgrounds than Toe does, so Georgie will be a little happier. Um, <laughs> and, um, yeah, I mean, you, you artistically, can, I this he's book a book is, fun, but the, he, he leaves a lot. Yeah. Still there? Yes. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. went quiet. Oh, I was just saying, like, Toe to leaves a lot out. You know, it'll just be the characters. and Right. It's right. not like I don't need and, super detailed backgrounds. He just has, like, blank colors in the back sometimes. Yeah, but, and but you're like, what are you, does, like, like, all the garden Silver's shots. Silver's amazing there's, like, here. There's, there's stained glass. There's bushes. Like it's, yeah, it looks, it's, the art is top notch, which is why I'm really struggling with this book because I want I want to give it high marks because the art's so good. And I don't know, does the writing drag it down to all the way to a two? Do I, do I make it a soft three? Um, what are you guys going to um, is, is Woodard the colorist? Does he always work with Silva? I can't remember. I don't think all, no, not all the time. I think a lot of times it's uh, 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 Gracia and also... Oh, right, right, right. And Israel Silva, I think, works with R.B. Silva some as well. So, uh, now Woodard has been on this book, though, right? He's a good colorist. Um, he's a former uh, Wolvie Award-winning colorist for his his work. Um, I think he pairs really well with the, with the pencils. Yeah. Those look amazing. So, like, all right. So it's lot. just how bad do you hate the story, then, right? Yeah, right. I think I'm gonna go with a soft three. I think the art. I, I, I don't think I can grade the book as a whole lower than that without insulting the art team. <laughs> but it's okay if y'all do. So this I think made me I have to go two on this. Oh, go ahead. No, that's okay. I was gonna say this made me run. So um, I should probably go lower than a three, but oh my god, can I just mark it for the art and then mark it for the writing? And then, sure. Um, <laughs> so like, like artistically, I think it's up there as really just a really beautiful uh, expression of what this world could like, what this world could be, and how these characters could look. And I feel like that's like a five, but the writing is contrived and uh, struggles to give any weight to anything that's being said um and we just end up at the same like every one of these books we end up at the same damned fucking circle of everyone just looking at each other do they not have a conversation how they just talk to each other do they have to stand looking at each other it's fucking creepy is no one gonna like give them hot dogs or something or feed them i don't know anyway um (laughs) like i feel like um because of the way the script is it's not horrendous but it's like a two and I just can't mesh that. I feel like they're two different pieces of work that I can't like um, <laughs> rate together because I feel like it's a disservice to to bring the book down on an artistic level because of the script. But then it is supposed to be shown seen as a whole, and if it is seen as a whole, I'm gonna have to give it free because it. Oh God, that sounds horrible. I feel like I'm being really mean. Yeah, the art. I, but, I feel you. Right. I feel you, but also being too generous to the writing. Yes, too <laughs> way too generous. <laughs> So, Georgie, I think you yeah, said yeah. you were going to do it, too. 
Yeah, I'm doing it too. Just like we all agree, like the art team is killing it on this issue. Uh, even if it, we had like an adequate script, this would be like a four or a five uh, rating. But the, the 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 nonsensical nature of this thing just drives it all the way down to a two for me. It's it overrides all the goodness the art's doing, and and just makes me not want to pick up another Excalibur issue. Yeah. I want. I really want Silver to be on Excalibur. I feel like his artistic vision would be able to like create a wonderful other world and oh, like sure. ground ground that entire like concept. Um, and once the visuals are grounded, maybe just maybe the scripts will make sense. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> maybe, maybe. All right. Well, Dan, why don't you take us home with chapter ten? I think we can say, because we had creation, the next book is Stasis. So while we're not exactly halfway, it definitely feels like we're to a benchmark. So we're kind of ending an act, at least, right? So X-Men number 13, Mm -hmm. what do you got, Dan? So, written by Wikipedia, I mean Jonathan Hickman. um, (laughs) Art by Madmud Azwa, who clearly wasn't... um, it was probably a filling artist. Um, Sunny Go is colorist. Uh, VC's Clayton Cowles is lower. Tom Mueller is design. Lennon, Francis Yu, and Sunny Go as the cover. And the cover is Apocalypse with his random swords and his children murdering a lot of people. And it's very much there. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's fine. I've always liked you more than more than you two. So uh, I appreciate this cover more, I think. And that's fine, too. (laughs) All right, Dan, would you like to take a crack at explaining this to me? Right, okay. So I've read it twice, and I'm not sure I get it. So we write... Really? Okay. Right, we start with Grasscutter and Godkiller, um, explanation for the swords we don't actually see at all. Um... Then we're on Kokoa, and I must admit I was surprised that it was Azra on art because this does not feel like Azra at all. Um, uh, it does a couple of pages in. Right? That Polaris on page two at the bottom, that looks like Azra. But I agree, Banshee does not. On the Banshee on the bush slab. The bush. Yeah. See, I, think, I thought it was Brandon. Perhaps, is it Brandon or Brendan Peterson? Um, from a long time ago. Oh, wow. <laughs> okay. <laughs> But it, it feels more like he's Im- imitating you um, to, to, to an extent. So we have Apocalypse upset on a table because he's been injured and he can't be helped. And then Magneto's like, daughter, do things for me because that's how we do it in our family. Uh, so uh, Polaris um, restrains Apocalypse so everyone can heal. Xavier asks Hope to help the healer because, you know, you can't just pick, uh, you know, Elixir and uh, that other kid, Triage, exists, who are both super healers. You can't just just go ask them to come help. You have to have hope to do something. And then um, lightning surges because it does. And um, all this makes Apocalypse have like a fever dream Wikipedia entry filling us in um, on the past, which we already kind of already know. Uh, So we tread some ground that we already knew where um, Jeff Jones is the trench. I mean, whatever Hickman's created here. which is basically the trench from the Aquaman series, let's be uh-huh. honest. Um, they apparently exist because they're from a dark world that happens sometimes when you crack shit open and everyone's upset. Then two Kokoas, but it's not two Kokoas. One's Kokoa and one's 
one's drugged up Harako because she looks off her tip. Um, and there's Apocalypse and his children. And then there's a face hugger mask that uh, face hugs a dude and then says weird shit while dissolving the person's stuff. It's all very Hickman. It's all very, there's too many words, not enough said. Um, yeah. And then Genesis, who isn't his son. I'm pretty sure Apocalypse's son is called Genesis. Yes, yes. Evan, his code name is Genesis Waiter, but this is his wife slash lover. I think, wife. Wife. I, think, I think it's his wife, right? They say they're yeah, yeah. wife. And then he refers to this other person as a sister-in-law, or a sister by marriage. Yep. So they think they're going to stop the war, but then his wife's sister is a douchebag and joins the enemy. So the war will last forever. And then they're all like, oh, I love you, I love you. And then Apocalypse cries. That's, yeah, that's and that. apparently a woman infers Apocalypse's entire modus operandi by um, saying to him, <laughs> judging, only, the, only the fittest can survive. So his entire thing has been because of love, Ooh. which is always sweet. Um, and then there's the power of annihilation, which I completely didn't read. And then um, Apocalypse is totally cool, and he has to go get his sword. In that moment where he goes, where he goes I need my sword, which is, sounds cool sometimes, but it's good characters say it, I don't know. Um, and then we hear about Scarab, which is pointless. Then apparently he doesn't like pyramids, because it's something about pyramids, not for the living or whatever. Then well, he, no, he's they, mad because he had buried his children there or made a, a memorial to his children because he was honoring their death. It turns out they're really alive, and so the pyramid no longer functions because they're, they're not really dead. So he takes his sword, puts it back together, blows up the pyramid, and blah blah blah. <laughs> you gave more. You gave more um, attention to it than I did. Um, that's for sure. Um, and then he destroys the sarcophagus because obviously he's angry, getting his big old sword, and then he's just like, then for some reason, right? I don't know why Gorgon is now just like this really smooth talking dude who's like, <laughs> cool sword, bro. Like the guy who used to. Like, <laughs> He's like, say, like, one or two words and was, like, a feared warrior throughout, like, all of Hydra. And he's just like, nice sword, man. Like, it's like, dude, he's a dude, bro, now. Why is he a dude, bro? I don't understand. That's but, a, um, okay. Uh. So, yeah. So, um, but, yeah. Um, the only time we'll never see Grasscutter, but it is Gorgon's sword. Like, that is his sword. I'm pretty sure that's Gorgon's sword. And so they, they go home and we don't actually get to see them walk on the little discs of destiny. Oh, yeah, we don't. So... That was 22 pages of backstory and um, people angry on bushes. Um, mm-hmm. I Right, so I like Hickman, but I think Hickman is struggling to keep my attention with all this myth building. Yeah. Because it is... It is, it is I don't care. <laughs> it, yeah. Right, so sometime, right. So um, let's think of... Like, like, if you think of like all of his work, his, let's just use his Marvel work. When he's not info dumping the hell out of it with his mythology, it, it, it's organic, like East of West, for right. example, Black, Black, Black Monday Murders or something. It's, it's a sort of organic sort of thing. When he like goes goes for the springs for the the hills with giant text, like um, the time runs out storyline in Avengers, he kind of like swallows his own concept whole and then regurgitates it as like this mass amount of knowledge that you don't really need. All we really get from that is Apocalypse's entire like being is infed, you know, is is, is um, 
designed around what his wife so it's all about love and he's doing it for his wife the whole thing has been the whole bullshit him turning angel into archangel him having right. fought all, all all so that one day when Arako came back he would have an army yeah the, he's all, i don't like it <laughs> and then on top of that his swords are the easiest to find because they're just randomly in a pyramid that um and then it's just i don't know it feels I'm going to be the I'm going to be the dissenter here because I um I feel like Hickman is laying the groundwork that is allowing any of this event to be worth anything. Oh sure, and it, it's all yeah. being kind of ignored by the person who's actually writing the event. Um, I, I thought it's appropriate for his sword to be buried with his children. Yeah, like I he's actually like that past. part. It doesn't last, feel random to me. Um, the Egyptian pages are my favorite part. I I I like the fact that. Everything Apocalypse has been doing, it's not necessarily for love. Like, I don't feel like, I think you're oversimplifying. It's its for, like, the species. So he's been very hard on mutants on Earth because he knows what's coming. So he needs to raise an army to, geez, that's a loud motorcycle, uh, <laughs> to... Uh, uh, like save to save the world. Like it, it gives. I'm not saying it makes him a good person, but it, it provides a reasoning. I mean, do you, is it better that, that he's just like, well, I'm kind of an anarchist and may the strongest win. Is that a better character than a guy who has actual I, reasoning before wanting to do I'm what he's doing? I'm going to doing? be ever and, ever diplomat and agree with both of you. I, I don't right, think it's a so, bad motivation. Uh, I think if she had not said, judge them, make sure only the fittest survive. Like, I don't oh, yeah, that was a little out, on the nose. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That was way think, on the nose. I think conceptually... Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Okay, so, um, <laughs> I, I I appreciate all, all the back, the backstory here. It is a little bit of like, this is what happened and this is what happened, but that's kind of what stories are. Uh, right. You know, one thing happened and another thing happened. It doesn't feel as Wikipedia as, as you're saying. I, I felt like it gave some pathos. And some reasoning to what Apocalypse is doing. I thought the artwork, well, it, it wasn't it wasn't as good as, as everything you've been doing. I, I didn't dislike it. Oh, it was fine. Um, I, I just felt like it was not, it was it's just like it's it feels like Hickman has this is this is the world, this is what I'm setting up. And we have all this like uh, like family drama and sort of other world like invaders and everything's happening and teeny's like well uh i know you set this all up but i just want to have my action figures fight each other with swords on top of all this it feels like <laughs> it feels very disjointed from like, right. how it's planned i, I think and, um one, one last thing and, mm. and i just sort of realized this because i've been on a real dresden files kick recently and uh reading this all seems to fit into sort of a, an, an, uh, uh, not a supernatural, uh, sort of a fairy tale or, or mythology, like an Irish mythology, of queens who are protecting the realm from outside evil invaders that are called the FOMOR, F-O-M-O-R. Uh, and this feels very similar to sort of Saturn. Saturn is the, the queen of, of all who needs to protect the living realm from these outside invaders. It feels like that's almost been... Uh, it, that, that's where this has sort of been inspired from, which I thought was kind of interesting. It, it, there's sort of a, not only is there this mythology of where the mutants came from, but also uh, a mythology that's linked to some real world uh, myths. So, 
So, Georgie, you asked a very interesting question in our chat, and mm-hmm. I think I think we're going to start talking about that now, whether we want to or not, because well, the I, yeah, let's, so let's get a quick rating out because I think the conversation is about to go there very naturally because I think we have the two helmsmen of this event uh, with Hickman and Howard who seem to be a little bit opposed to each other, which is something you're kind of hinting at. And that's kind of where I want to go. So let's let's grade X-Men 13 and then let's jump into that. So, um, ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. George's passion is swaying me a little bit. I was at a very soft three, but now I'm kind of, uh, maybe it's a four. I don't know. Uh, Dan, what were you going to do? I think Georgie's going to blow us both away, so you go ahead. Um, <laughs> I think, I think um, as I'm not allowed to rebut uh, George's um, <laughs> uh, conversation, I'm going to just say that I believe that it it is probably a sort of situation where it's it's cleverer than it thinks it is and it's the first time i've probably ever said that about hickman and sure, sure, uh, sure. i'm i'm um i think it's a two because i actually didn't like it at all um okay. there you go i'm gonna I, I i'm gonna break my rule i'm well, gonna go ahead. three and a half so georgie what do you want to do yeah, I'm at a, I'm at a, a solid three here. Um, oh, I, I thought you were gonna be. I was like, George is gonna be like five. <laughs> no, 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 no. Like this is like a solid to high three. It, it's. I don't think this is masterful. All right, we we it is sort of retreading stuff we've we've gone over before, but it's also like coherent. Um, yeah. And it is it, it, it's him continuing this world building that makes sense on its own. You sir, are like a roller coaster. I literally you, just, you, you broke my mind just now, Georgie. You, I, I, you literally talked me up almost from a three to a four, and then you're like, ah, it's a three. <laughs> Look, I, I I feel like the story's fine. I, I felt like the artwork was pretty average as well. Like we yeah. didn't really speak anything about the artwork because it felt like it was just there. The artwork right. looked like um, basic bitch Alan Davis, um, essentially. Wow. In places, I think it looks. It is not as well as it is not as well as when he mentioned that he did it in a couple of weeks. I believe him. So right, right. Because on his Instagram, he mentioned that he was doing an expert and he's fitting it in between other things. I was like, yep. Now I've seen it. I believe you. <laughs> I also. While you and Go were a good combination, I don't think Azra and Go were a good combination. Nope. I think the colors are horrible. Um, so, no. very right. muted for for Ezra. Yeah. yeah. So, so Georgie, you had asked in the chat um, whether you felt like this event was doing what it meant to. I think is the way you phrased it. And so, yeah. I guess is I'll it, let you kind of is it grabbing it the way it's it's supposed to be. Right. So yeah, yeah. Why don't you go ahead and kick us off and then. Danny okay. can go, and I'll I'll kind of jump in where I want to, I guess. <laughs> well, leaving leaving the X Men issues out, outside of it, because those feel very like X Men proper book issues outside, because those feel slightly different. The, the Teeny Howard inspired story, I think it's supposed to feel like we're building up to a, a great, you know, uh, oh, this battle, is supposed a giant to be battle. Lord of the Rings. 
That's what it's supposed to be. Yeah, you're, you're all getting your weapons, and then we're going to have this grand epic battle that's going to be told for centuries or something. And I don't feel any excitement uh, to, basically through any any of these issues. I'm not interested in getting a sword so we can have... Uh, you know, I, I don't need to have my human action figure with the button on the back that I press so his sword hand goes up and down. <laughs> it doesn't. That is an exciting storytelling to me that's just, you know... Uh, mashing plastic against each other i feel like that's what we're leading up to like hey hey kids collect all the toys from kmart and then you can come home and have your own contest of champions and i don't i just don't feel like the the event is is building like it thinks it's building towards something but i don't have any progression of excitement for what's happening in terms of the story or the characters involved uh or or what this means for the future of of x-men um, uh, what about you guys? Do you feel like do you feel excitement? Do you feel like it's it's building into something? Is it grabbing you in any way? I I feel like the event as a whole is pretty underwhelming. I I feel like I have enjoyed. I'm trying to like think of the chapters and how I graded them. I feel like I've enjoyed the individual pieces a lot more. Um, there's been several issues like if we look at. The 10 pieces we've read so far, there's been several issues I've had a lot of fun with and really enjoyed. But the idea that we're, we have less swords than we have chapters is maybe a problem. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, uh, we should at least have a, a sword for chapter. Because at what point, I mean, I literally feel like they're going to start fighting like in chapter 20. Right, and I just that's that's too late <laughs> for me. Um, yeah, I do think there's there's this idea of this this like epic Lord of the Rings type situation, and I don't know if it's really delivering that for me. Dan, how's it how's it feeling for you overall? So, um, clearly the inspiration comes from Arthurian legend. Um, Otherworld, the Round Table, the Gathering of Night. Uh, uh, each one with a different virtue, a different stance on justice, uh, protecting the realm, um, protecting Camelot, which is essentially Krakoa. And on top of that, <laughs> they're throwing they're throwing like um, loads of different elements from like Seven Samurai, from um, other really high on the on the scale of geek culture, cool sort. <laughs> um, and I don't think much like each chapter. I don't think these elements sort of merge because obviously with apocalypse and his children you have very much a, an egyptian feel to a lot of the iconography which kind of merges with Overworld's englishness um but then we have these like creatures which are very much yet again another sort of army of faceless darkness that we have to stop and in the grand scheme of things where the f- what the fuck we're just we're, we're literally establishing a nation what the fuck is this like generally what, what the fuck because this would have been fine two three years in the making you know this should not be the first crossover right like the first right the, the first crossover should be the establishing and the finality of what happens with that thing near the sun the sentinels near the sun you know what i mean that should have been like well, maybe not that but something should have been about the establishing of Krakoa. The elements uh-huh. of Krakoa are still up in the air. We have no idea where half of the books are fucking going. Like, 
X-Force was supposed to be the mutant CIA. What are they? No, they're just people die every other issue and cry about it. That's literally what that is. So, like, the, the all of the elements are there, but they're all in, like, completely different places. And I think the the actual books, like you said, Jason, there are fun books, and I do have enjoyed certain chapters. I couldn't care less what, what the overall plot, because... Um, <laughs> So we we have this idea that Teeny Howard's the bad cop in the in the in the in the, uh, in, 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 in the idea, right? So I'm actually going to defend Howard because it is supposed to be a brainchild of both of them. If Howard is delivering, essentially trying to deliver like because she's delivering like the the run up to um, the, the the swords, you know, everyone's finding us up, blah blah blah. blah. Um, we, let's let's not forget Hickman does play like Kitty, but we did read New Mutants, you know, that was a playful, simple book. We've read other books of his darn overtly thing. But I feel like what a massive problem for me is Hickman dumps all this information, disappears for ages, and comes back to dump shit more information. Disappears. Is that what we're gonna have? Like every ten issues we're gonna just have like Eric Hickman has to fill in all the gaps? Like a podcast at the end of Lost. You know what I mean? Um, <laughs> well, I mean, is that his fault or is that I mean he's sort of given Teeny Howard the reins, like here you you, yeah, you take this. No, but is it both of their faults? Because like that's planning. That is a planning fault. That's not a writing fault. That's a, like a planning out your story problem. So who's his, who planned it? And he, if he's the architect, then did he plan out the pacing of this 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 book? Or is the I, you know, I I think the pacing changed. I think to yeah, be fair, the the, the pandemic yeah. messed up ten of swords. Now one can argue, are did they make the right decisions in compensating for that? Right. Should they have just let it be late or had a, a longer gap with no books, right? To let people get, I don't know. Uh, th- those are maybe different questions, but I mean, it was not originally 22 chapters. I think that is, has forced it to meander maybe more than a, a normal event even would. Because Marvel events in general, you always have the part in the middle that goes nowhere. And that's just, that's, that's part of doing a Marvel event, <laughs> right? Um, I feel like. <laughs> I feel like this is even more disjointed because of of doubling pretty much the volume of the event, right? Um, but I agree, Dan, that that still goes back to, though, the architects of the story, whether it's the editors, whether it's Hickman, Howard, both. Like there, there's definitely a disunion on Howard, what this event's but- doing. Because Howard is clearly in love with the idea of Otherworld, and she's in love with the idea of having it as the stalwart, like, sort of moment in all of... Because, uh, um, you know, now we have... Uh, Kokoro desperately wants that portal open and um, all of this stuff. So whatever happens afterwards, I feel like Otherworld is either going to end or be a massive part of, of, of the Xbox going forward. And when you look at what's, like what message each book is sending. It's too Obviously, it's too early to tell to be like, is this book this? Is this book this? Is this book this? Um, um, but it feels like, for me, the moment they showed me the S.W.O.R.D. headquarters and then it was announced that Al Ewing's doing a S.W.O.R.D. book, I was like, you have just, for me, you have personally destroyed the journey because I don't want to see people fight with S.W.O.R.D.s. I, if I wanted to do that, I could just like watch my nephew do that. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. So like, yeah. So like, I understand that there's supposed to be gravitas and all this, but there is no gravitas because you'll have a book that's like. So look at the books we just read. 
So you've got one that's like, look at look at other world, blah blah blah. Look at the look at the mythology that I'm building. And then next we have Sinister being a prick. You know what I mean? Or Doug mm-hmm. being sad. Like I think none of the books actually link properly, other than right. everyone right, everyone right. goes back to the disco disc of swords. You know what wow, I mean? that's the title of the episode. <laughs> <laughs> Like, where's Polaris? Isn't she, like, really important? Seems as she, like, built that thing and was all like, I'm a prophecy. Oh, is she now... Has she gone? She's done? I think she's done her part. Yeah. So, I don't know. I feel like it's... And I can't believe there's another 12 issues of this. Is it 12? It feels like it's going to be longer than 12. Yeah, 12. And then, like... um, And then we have to deal with the fallout of this. But I, all I want to see is more political intrigue. I want to see Sebastian Shaw get his head caved in by Kitty Pride. I want right. to see... I want to see. The, I want to see Kokoa make headway into the stars. I want to see Kokoa like talk to the nations. That fucking X Men issue where they just sat down, where like, Apocalypse is in a suit. I want more of that. I don't want yeah. this. Yeah. And and you can't you can't you can't tease an audience who wants to by giving them like a, a a conceptually mature idea and then just instantly drop to a, a more infantile like old school comic book bash. I don't know. I, just, I don't know. Make a book about it. Don't make an event about it. Just like literally have an extra swords book on its own and that no one will read and everyone will pretend it's good. I mean, so. <laughs> no, I, 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 I completely agree with with all of that. I just I, I don't I don't necessarily and we don't know. Right. We don't know what happened in the background in the planning. We don't know if it was like Hickman was going to set this up and Tini was going to run with it fully or how much planning he had with her or how the pandemic uh, made them adjust their plans but in my head it feels like hickman set up this is i want to talk about the mutants uh Krakoa says his missing half uh what does it mean for mutants um and teeny had the other world stuff and they did some sort of awful marriage that just isn't working well together um it, it and and this is even past the part where we've only just started to look look into the resurrections of what does it mean for them to have a society of, of ever living people. Like they just started to scratch the surface and they're like, well, uh, we're done with that subject because we want to play around with like nonsense for a while. I don't, it is, as Dan mentioned, there's political intrigue and family intrigue, which they just started to look into. And then, all right, for 22 issues, what is this like two months? We're just three months. We're just not going to, uh, deal with any of the plots we've started up we have this other thing that is so random uh i i don't i don't know why i, I should be interested uh, in this and, event and the biggest problem is apocalypse because apocalypse has not been consistent his his motivation is, is um place in the has never his been voice, never been. his voice has changed so much depending and, on the book you go back could I go back to the concept of what's just happened in, in X-Men? It is far more interesting for me, and I think far more interesting story-wise, to have a man that is literally about survival of the fittest on a on an island full of heroes. The whole idea that he and Xavier invited the villains onto the island is far more interesting than giving him a family from a different realm that we're supposed to care about and have completely that and completely changes 
like how we see him as a person. This is not Mario McTaggart. This isn't blowing we, our minds. What are we supposed to that. care about the family? Are we supposed to care about Apocalypse? Because I don't really give a crap about the family, but it, it is giving some pathos for, for Apocalypse. You can give pathos to a character without making him emotionally relevant to you. Like, you could, he could have pathos by being evil. Like, Sinister has pathos because we can, we can all, like, agree especially in 2020 that you know a few people need to die in a funny way like you know what i mean so <laughs> we can all understand where this is coming from um but like i feel like apocalypse has lost something like his um his his agent agency has gone like he, he in this story his agency is gone he is just just a guy completely overwhelmed with i must be have my family back which kind of takes away from like the other characters who have families like um poor scott you know, he's supposed to be a, what is he, a general on this island? A lieutenant, a captain or whatever? Captain. Yeah, um, captain. He, he might, because he's not been, cho- well, even the sword wielders have a call to do at the moment. But um, Paul Scott does, has, has not been placed on the board. Like, he's just there. And um, I know they have to do the whole, and you know, what? maybe it's just because I am so pissed off that it's called X of Swords and Nightcrawler isn't in it. <laughs> maybe, that's, maybe that is it maybe that's what i can't get over because we have so imagine if nightcrawler had to be put into a into a con the nightcrawler we're getting the nightcrawler that's about faith and religion finding a peaceful solution you know what i mean if he was forced into that situation what the, that, that's perfect drama why isn't he sure. there but oh, i don't know i just i just feel like there's so much blood on apocalypse's hands that trying to throw in like a backstory to make you think, oh, he's not such a bad guy. It's kind of moot for me. I don't know. I'd, and I'd, I'd, him being the crux of the the story shouldn't be a problem. But for me, it is a massive stumbling block because he sounds so different in every fucking chapter that I'm sure. like, who is he? Like generally, what what is his? What does he want to do apart from like get his wife back? Sure. I mean, he's I also bad for him it's not like i, I like i de- like oh he's he's not such a bad guy it just gives reasoning for what he did which it made sense to me it it made sense more than hey i'm just random powerful guy who thinks everyone else should just battle it out because but, reasons that, but the thing is there's good right i don't want to argue about this but the great thing about the, idea <laughs> that he, the great thing about him being so out of the fit is, is he is nature in the concept of the evolution about moving forward in the natural process of things, he represents na- nature itself, or the scientific concept of nature. And he has no rhyme, he has no reason, he is literally nature. And I always found that more fascinating to me than giving him anything. He could literally not speak, and I'd still think he's more fascinating, <laughs> more fascinating than a hell of a lot more, because his motivation is the literal definition of evolution, which is kind of the X-Men's thing. So I generally think he's a brilliant concept. I think he's been muddied over the vast amount of years he's been used. But I think if you boiled him down to his base parts, I don't think he needs any other explanation, but they have to give him one. Because if you don't give him any emotional connection, why the fuck is he doing any of this? Um, because that's the, that's the point. His actual, until you find out about his family, why the hell is he so obsessed with Otherworld? Why the hell did he do all that in Excalibur? Because it means literally nothing. Unless well, he has something to fight for. It's not right. just, but it's it's like mutantdom as a whole. It's like his homeland as a whole. He's trying to, but it's not framed as like a, fix. Like, like yeah, this is this mistake, and he's trying to to correct it. It's that's cool, 
but it's not never framed like that and it never comes across as powerful as that because it's never written consistently and i think that's the sure, problem. i'm not definitely not written consistently yeah it's not, it's not, it's not human's fault it's not howard's fault it's a lack of like a consistent voice because some people are just stronger writers than others that is just the 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 way of things and um i just feel like x of swords and we have given it far too much time already um and we have to give it another 12 issues i think x of swords is is everything that's wrong with a crossover especially in like <laughs> especially in the first year i generally think there should be like a, a ban on crossovers until you've established <laughs> the entire line. i'm on board with that like if it yeah, this, so... was last, this was like next year i'd be fine i'd be like oh, fair enough Oh, and, what do you think, Jason? We've sort of talked over you for a while. No, no, no. I was, I was enjoying all this. It's been a very fiery episode. It's really fun. Um, yeah, no. I, I think I kind of said what I, what I had to say. I enjoyed chapters, not as much the whole. Um, you know, one of y'all mentioned. I think it was Dan. You know, about Hickman needing to organically world build, and I, I, I do feel like this event maybe circumvented and sped up his timeline too much and that kind of takes some of the legs out of what he's doing to me a little bit and kind of makes it less impactful because we haven't spent as much time with Krakoa um, and with the way with Dawn of X. Like it's too early in Dawn of X for some of these things to matter as much as they want them to to me. Now it's not, I'm not saying that's how it is for everyone. I think there's, you know, there's several people that I've, I've talked to that are pretty excited about this, and that's fine. Um, but for me, it, it really is a, a lot timing, I think, because it is it's too early for me to be invested in some of the things I need to be invested in for this story to really move me. And for it to be more than... Because I think, I think the idea, right, when they made all this out was mythology, mythology, mythology... Tournament of Swords is a fun way to kind of dive into the mythology, but that's not really what it should be about. I feel like that's what it's become about. It really is just about the fight fight episode, right? Whereas I think that was meant to be more of a kind of, oh, here's a fun way to kind of symbolize that struggle. That's just not what, that's not what we're getting. Um, so yeah. So overall, not loving the event, liking the chapters, as separate entities more and yeah um i do want to save a little bit of time to to i think georgie wanted to talk about juggernaut for a minute so before we close shop on tennis s words completely uh, do you just want to take a quick moment to mention that um and partaking in the crossing swords podcasting event which is better than the comic event so far um <laughs> and that's uh that was organized by a homo superior um also includes myself uh the x reads podcast house of x and um uh comic book queers legacy podcast and you know the cool thing about this you know we've had even on this show or this episode particularly some differing opinions about the event and aspects of the event and the individual books and I think you can listen to all of those shows talk about some of these same books and get even more different opinions. And that's that's pretty cool. So feel free to go check those out, see what they're doing, see how they're feeling about the event. Um, but yeah, that's uh, that's that. So let's, uh, let's kind of switch gears real fast, have a few minutes left. Um, 
Juggernaut number two is officially in the Dawn of X timeline and does have a, a, an Xavier cameo. Um, any quick thoughts? Won't do our normal rundown. I just kind of want to open up a few minutes of conversation about about that book if you were, had a chance to read it. I, you know, uh, we were surprised to see it listed in the like Dawn of X index. Uh-huh. Uh, at least issue one. Issue two wasn't on there unless it's. Oh, it wasn't. It's okay. coming soon. Yeah. Just that then. Sorry. Well, it's fine. Like it's. I, I I feel like they listed it to try and get people to read read the book. <laughs> right. Um, I I feel like it's a a decent to to nice series so far. Uh, sort of looking into who the Juggernaut is and seeing him try to I don't know re- repair his reputation and his his motives. I think the artwork really works well for, yeah, um, for, for the story they're telling. It's you know it's it's fun to watch. I don't mind like mindless action. Uh, in 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 a book, it's just I don't need an event that is only about you know mindless action. <laughs> and so right. seeing the Hulk and the Juggernaut fight each other out and the Hulk get captured, like that's, you know, it, it, that's a staple of comics. And uh, that was that was fun to to see done. I, I, I'm enjoying the series. I don't. It's nothing spectacular, but yeah. um, I was surprised it was coming, and I am surprised that I'm still reading it. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm a big Ron Garney fan, and I think visually this book does not disappoint. I feel like the story. I'm kind of eh, whatever. Um, it's not bad. It's fine, but the art for me is definitely the selling point. Both his Juggernaut and his Hulk look amazing, and. That's kind of kind of where I am on that. Did you get a chance to read it, Dan? Well, um, I believe it's the greatest comic book ever. I'm joking. I haven't read <laughs> um, I, I sort of enjoyed this one. I do like the art way more than anything else, so yeah. I'll, let's stick around. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right. Cool. Well, guys, why don't y'all talk about um, Excalibur a little bit? So we Maybe. just... <laughs> I mean, we're not going to talk about this Excalibur issue again, uh, but we uh, we just recorded an episode before this, Jason. So hopefully our our next episode will be out about the same time yours is out. Okay. Uh, you know, for anyone who's new, uh, we cover the old Excalibur, uh, the old Exiles. We cover Generation X, and we cover X Factor, the, the Peter David uh, 1992-1993 uh, version. So um, if you're interested in in a a podcast about like B B tier uh, X Men books. Uh, that's us. Awesome. Also, also to make note, it's called Excaliburs, but that's ironic because I'm super gay and George is not a bro. So yes, you know. <laughs> yeah. we have people make <laughs> fun of us for for reasons, and it's like obviously we're not bros. Right. A... Well, some people talk about comics they've never read or movies they've never seen. I find there's a lot of people that maybe mentioned you guys have never listened to the show. Yeah. So. <laughs> But obviously, if you're listening to me, you know how wonderful these guys are and how entertaining they are as podcasters. So I'm I'm working under the assumption that if you're here and hearing this, you've already heard lots of Excalibur's content. But if you haven't, fix it. Go listen. So it's a great show. And I, I'm looking forward to you guys. Y'all started by adding X Factor, having some content you enjoy a little more. <laughs> I'm looking forward to y'all swinging around on some of the other books. Um, 
And just just because you know I like my friends to be happy. <laughs> so fair, I feel like we'll be adding X Force and then new X. And then, you know, <laughs> Sorry, I, I dropped out there for a second. Um. <laughs> we just oh my god, yeah, we'll end no up problem. having every single book that isn't. There you go. Oh no, we're not we're not reading X Force. We're not doing any life felt. We're not like running through everything. We're just sort of reading the the B tier books we wanted. We're interested in. I think as right. soon as Peter David leaves that X Factor book, we're, we're dropping that. I don't think we're going to continue. <laughs> I'll, I'll be curious to see what you think because I think uh, doesn't Quesada come on after Strowman? I'm interested yeah. to see y'all's thoughts on once that switcheroo kind of happens. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so definitely go check out Scalabros. Um, of course, for the podcast, it goes snicked. Uh, you can like the Facebook page. Twitter is at snickcast. And I think that's about it. So, um, Dan doesn't really apply to you for everyone. Well, not everyone else. For for my fellow Amer- my fellow Americans, uh, please remember to go vote. And for everyone worldwide, you know, please stay safe and stay well as we continue to navigate through uncertain times. Um, you know, I don't know how much of a Wolverine thing it is to say, but love love you guys all very much. Hope you stay very very well. Um, and yeah, so any any closing words, guys? Get out and vote, and uh, stay safe. Vote correctly, or you could have a government that I do that starts. <laughs> um, I'm just saying. <laughs> there you go. All right, guys. Well, thanks very much. Um, until next time, hugs and snicks. Bye bye. And snacked. <laughs> that was awesome, guys. A truly oh, great episode. Yeah.